Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The More You Give. I'm your host, Jackie Barnum. Today's episode is brought to you by VetTix. VetTix is an organization that provides sports tickets, entertainment tickets to shows for veterans and service members. Go check out their website at vettix.org. That's V-E-T-T-I-X.org. As a disclaimer, everything I say in this podcast is my own opinion, Jackie Barnum, and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or the Marine Corps. Okay, so I am super excited about today's episode. Upon the like, you know, idea of even starting this podcast, it was honestly inspired by this guest. Um, we have Ryan Mannion, who is the president of the Travis Mannion Foundation. And even just going on your website, it's like there's so many more things, you know, has written books, ha, you know, does public speaking events, does like just so many things. So I have been looking forward to this for so long and I cannot wait to talk to you. So thank you so much, Ryan, for being on this show today. Yeah, I'm happy to. I want to honestly like <laughs> talk about first how, because I haven't met you in person, but I feel like I know you and I straight up like slid into your DMs a year ago because I was just happened to be looking on Instagram and I saw Ryan Mannion started following you. And I was like, like, you know, my jaw dropped and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I got so excited. I think I texted a few people about it. And then I messaged you and I just was like, Ryan, I am so honored to, that you're following me. Like, please let me know if you ever need, I just was like, so, cause I've known who you are for a long time. Like I, you know, been involved in Travis Mannion events, um, at the Naval Academy and whatnot. And so I've known who you are from afar. And then I just was like total fangirling over you. But then what was cool was that you messaged me back for, you know, immediately. And you're like, oh, I'm actually a huge fan of yours. And I just was like, let me just, let me just faint over here. Cause that anyway, so that was just sliding into your DMs just worked. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, you were, um, you were, uh, or, and are, uh, my daughter is such a huge fan of yours. And, um, I've shared with you that my daughter, you know, is the Naval Academy is somewhere that she's thinking about going and, you know, and, and I'm, I was born into a military family. My dad's a Colonel in the Marine Corps. My brother was a Marine. Uh, I, I, I've been surrounded by Marines. Hence my children have been surrounded by Marines, but I will say my kids have not been exposed to many, if at all, female Marines. And so, um, you know, this idea when, when we would talk to Maggie about the military, my oldest daughter, you know, she couldn't even picture herself in the Marine Corps because she identified it as like a very male driven industry, you know, Marines are men. And when she started following you, she all of a sudden began to see herself in Marine shoes. And so I thank you for that because, you know, you think that growing up in a household that's filled with Marines, she would identify with that. But it wasn't until she found you that she started to see like, 
oh, I, I can see myself in, in these shoes now. So, or these little heels. So I, I thank you for that. And she, she's a big fan of yours. And like I said, I'm that a big means, fan of yours as that well. That means so much to me. Um, I know, I feel like I, when I was her age, like there was no one to look at, you know? And I feel like, cause you know, Instagram was so new. I think I like made my Instagram when I was at the Naval Academy. So, you know, it's just, yeah, having someone to be like, oh, I actually like, can see myself doing those things. So I love that I've connected with her and connected to you through all that. So it's just so awesome. Um, the first thing I want to talk about with you is, is, you know, kind of speaking of Maggie and, uh, you know, the next generation, um, you have a podcast called The Resilient Life that, you know, talks about resilience. And me being a company officer at the Naval Academy Prep School, dealing with, um, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids kind of, you know, they're adults, but they're just leaving home or um, going through that transition and teaching that age group resilience. Um, How do you, how do you like, what advice can you give or how do you start instilling resilience in that, that age group or even, you know, kids younger? Well, you know, it's interesting because so through the work of the Travis Manning Foundation, I'll I'll tell you a little backstory. When we started the Travis Manning Foundation, one of our main objectives was, of course, to provide support to returning veterans and families of the fallen. Um, But our original mission statement also had, you know, our original mission statement was provide support to returning veterans and families of the fallen and to play a role in um, creating the next generation of leaders. And I will tell you, when we put that mission statement together, we didn't know what that meant, but we just knew that somehow we wanted to play in that space. We knew how important it was for young kids who are making these decisions about what the rest of their lives look like. And, um, you know, today we actually train veterans to mentor youth and talk to youth about character and resilience and what it means to live a life of service. And, you know, it's, I I don't feel so far removed from like when I was in high school, like these, these things that small things can seem like the end of the world. Right. I, I look at my kids now, I've got two teenage daughters and, you know, it's all about putting things in perspective for them. And, you know, I, I, my, my favorite thing to say to my kids, because, you know, for my 13 year old, the world's ending over the smallest things, right. Every day. And, you know, and then for my 15 year old, she's in this position now where she's trying to identify like, what does my life look like? And, and, you know, she's starting to think about like, where do I want to go to school? Where do I want to go to college? And, you know, just last week she did bad on a a history test. And she came home and it was like her world had ended. And I said, you know, Maggie, failure is a bruise, not a tattoo. That is one of my favorite sayings, but it's also a value at the Travis Manning Foundation. It's one of our values. And I think it's so important for not just kids, but for everybody to understand that like life is a series of ebbs and flows, right? And we can't allow one small failure to define us. And if we are kind of attuned to this idea that that our life is these these peaks and valleys it makes like the difficult times easier to to digest and it's always what i'm saying i'm like listen 
you, you did poorly on this test. Well, guess what? That gives you the opportunity to do well next time. And it's, it's about knowing that no matter how low you get, you have to know that you can always work your way out. And if you can kind of stick with that mindset, it's obviously much easier said than done. But if you can stick to that mindset, it makes things so much more palatable in this like journey of life. You know, we know that like it, we're in a low, but but we're always going to come up from there. And we and we just have to keep practicing that and believing in that. And, you know, resiliency is like you've got to practice it. It's not something where you can just be like, I'm going to be resilient, like oh, I'm going to be resilient. You have to actually practice the art of resilience and you practice it when you have to be resilient, right? And so um, you have to remind yourselves in those times where you're you're challenged, where you're you're dealing with adversity. You have to remind yourself that like this is you know one page in a book, and you you can turn that page very quickly, and you can work yourself into the next chapter. Right, and my favorite saying that I think about when I think of resiliency is the. Um, the only way through is through. That's yeah. what I try to tell my students. And I have noticed, like for me growing up, saying the word quit, like I can, I, I, it like makes me like uncomfortable to even say those words, you know, like, but sometimes I've seen this trend of students where as soon as things get hard, it's, it's easy for them to look me in the eyes and say, I quit. I want to be done because, and I don't know if that's because some people just are raised differently where, you know, people are like, oh, it's okay. If you don't want to do this, you don't have to. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. And if you kind of instill that in their minds and they actually get to the Naval Academy or Naval Academy Prep School or boot camp or OCS or whatever, and they're actually faced with like a no kidding challenge, they don't know how to push through. It's just they're, they're, it's, they're used to just saying like, well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable, so I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, listen, as a parent, you never want to see your, your kids struggling. You never want to see your kids like dealing with anything uncomfortable, but every time my kids do deal with something uncomfortable or challenging, I'm grateful for that because I know that's preparing them for what comes next in life. And, you know, if, if, if you're not going to, if you're going to be kind of coddled, um, and, and we talk about this with character, like, the, the end of the day, you know, you can be a straight A student, you can be um, an all American athlete, but if no one's teaching you how to be like a good person, you know, you can still be a jerk and be a straight A student and an all American athlete. And guess what? Guess what's most important out of those three things? Being a good person, right? Doing the right thing. And so, you know, it's important to like kind of teach your kids and, and that like, these are, these are such important life lessons. Um, and, and you can't be afraid to listen, if you quit or you keep going, it's going to be hard either way, right? Like either way it's hard. So that's what I always say. Like you can quit or you can keep going. Both ways are going to be hard. So pick which way you want to go. Right. And I think an interesting thing too, with resilience is that there's kind of like a fine line that we as I mean, I'm not a parent, but I like to think of myself as a parent sometimes to my students, but like we watch sure. them and we see them, you know, struggling and we, we, we need them to struggle. We can't, like you said, we can't coddle them all the time. We can't always, you know, catch them and they need to learn through failure sometimes. But then how do you, how do you know 
when to intervene and how do you know exactly, you know, because they could fall and then they could really, really keep falling. And I'm just curious, like what your thoughts are on when's that point where you're like, okay, they actually need like some this person needs some help now. Yeah. Well, you know, I had General Dumford uh, on my podcast and I got to talk to him a lot about resilience and he said something and, and I lean back on it. I actually was just sharing it with my staff last week. We did a whole debrief of like his talk on my podcast because some of the things he said, everything he says, I think is so incredible. But when we started talking about resilient, he said, you know what, Ryan, you can't be resilient and be alone. And, you know, he talked about the need for like embracing your support system, right? Like relationships are everything. And, you know, we have to, number one, allow ourselves to be carried forward by those that love us when when we're in these hard times. But we also have to recognize, um, we also have to recognize when we need to reach out and and say, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to be here to lift you up and help you through this time. And, and there's nothing wrong, number one, with asking for help. And there's nothing wrong for, with offering help. You know, that's not that's not giving the easy way out to your kids or your students. That's just saying like, hey, this is the place you're in and I'm going to help you get through to the next step. So, you know, I, I, I think it's always okay to say, you know, what can I do to help you get through this phase? Right. And that's, yeah, I I have a whole thing. I, I know you have the Travis Manning Foundation does tons of mentoring programs, which is amazing. And then I've recently started trying to do connecting people with mentors because you're right, like we're not alone. And every problem, and I, again, I try to tell whenever I have Marines or my students, I say like no problem that you will face is an original problem. There is somebody who has been through it, somebody who has figured this out. Like no, there is no permanent situation that we can't fix and just trying to, cause they get, and then there's, cause there's kids of course, who are so used to being on their own and not asking for help. And for me personally, I feel like when I was that age, I was just so trying to be under the radar and not bother people and not ask questions. Cause I was in that like survival mode for four years at the Naval Academy, just trying not to get yelled at. But I think I did myself a disservice by not reaching out to people for more help because I really did feel very alone for a long time. Even as when I commissioned, it's only really until recently where I'm like, okay, there's like people around here that, that can help me. Um, so what advice would you give, you know, even like to your daughter about reaching out to people and getting, getting guidance now, not waiting? I will say this is one of the things that I struggle with. Um, I, again, you know, I, I talk about a lot, like I, I growing up in a military family, my dad's a retired Marine Corps Colonel. And like for a very long time growing up, like ailments were kind of, of the body only, right. Not of the mind. And then like in the, the off chance they were of the mind and you were kind of like struggling with stuff, like they could be healed by the body. Like I remember, you know, even saying like, when I was young in high school, if I would say, and my mom was much more, you know, understanding, but if I would say like I was in a bad place or anything talking about kind of how I was feeling, my dad would say, we'll go for a run, you know? And, and I would be like, okay. So like, that's what I would do. Like go for a run, like a run could cure everything. And so I was almost like trained to believe that like 
anything that I was struggling with, if I just went for a run, it would make it better. I, I wasn't kind of like taught to reach out and to express my feelings and, um, you know, and so that's kind of how I became as an adult when I struggled and, you know, I, I definitely went through some challenging times after I lost my brother. Um, and I was kind of afraid to say like, Hey, I'm not feeling myself. I don't feel, I mean, what it, when my brother died, I went and ran a marathon. I was like, I guess I got to go on an even longer run now. Right. Like this is what I have to do. Oh, wow. So, but but then I started to realize like, well, no, I need a little bit more than that. So that's actually a big challenge for me. And it's something that I'm always pushing like, and I still have trouble kind of expressing like I'm in a bad place because I always feel like I have to be the problem solver. So, you know, with my kids, I'm always trying to like, I'm always trying to talk to them in a way that I didn't always get talked to, right? Like kind of, how are you feeling? Like pulse checks with them, right? As opposed to just everything like, what kind of grades are you getting? What's going on here? What's going on there? But just trying to be their friend in a way that like, I want them to feel like they can tell me anything, you know, like I'm, I'm an open book. You will never be judged. And we will always find a way through any situation together, you know? And so, but the art of practicing that myself is something that I, I'm still working on, I will say. Right. And I think as a Marine, and my my old CO, who's my mentor, would do this to me, is he would humanize himself literally when giving me advice. And he still does this to this day when I'm because I ask him anything and everything. And he will be like, okay, Jackie, this is Billy talking to you. Like, this is Billy. This isn't Lieutenant Colonel, whoever, whoever, you know, this is Billy talking to Jackie. And this is, you know, and I think that is really huge. And something that I, I will say, like, a really rewarding moment that I had recently, actually, with a student and advice that I would give is, this, you know, don't give up on on kids when they're closed off. Um, because I had a student, I could tell something was wrong. You know, you could just kind of tell when they're like a little disheveled or, you know, you could just pick up, pick up as a mom, you can like pick these things up really quickly. But so I pulled him in and I was just like, hey, you know, Stephen, how are you doing? Is everything okay? And yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'm like, and just closed book would not open up. And I was like, okay, well, you're, you know, I've just noticed you're not yourself lately. So just remember like, if anything's going on, like I am here and he walked out the door, literally two minutes came back and knocked on the door. And he said, ma'am, I actually like really appreciate you asking. Can I actually tell you what's going on now? And I just was like, yes, please. Apps, of course. You know, it takes that little bit of like, you, you know, that trust, you got to build some trust first. But I was like, so when he came back, I was like, oh, yes. Okay. Like, and I could tell as soon as he got that off his chest and I, you know, gave him some advice and let him just speak, you know, he physically like looked like a little bit of a weight was lifted off his shoulders. Because I think a lot of these, these kids, again, like going through that transition in life, signing up to serve their country, going to the Naval Academy. So like mentally, they're like preparing to be adults. So they think they have to deal with all these things on their own and they just don't. And and I keep, and I hear so often where I ask like, why, you know, why didn't you tell anybody about this? Like we could have helped you so long ago. And in their minds, I don't know where this comes from and I want to break this cycle, but th I've heard a few times where they say, 
well, you know, like when I ask for help, that's weak. And I just well, like, yeah. oh. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's unfortunately still a little bit of the culture that exists in the military. Um, I think there's been big strides taken um, to overcome that, but it is, I mean, it, you can say a thousand times over, tell us how you're feeling, tell us how you're feeling. But, you know, to say like, I- I'm, I'm struggling all of a sudden it's like, well, we're preparing you to be America's, you know, leading fighting force. Like you can't, you know, so it, it's, it's a double edged sword. So I totally get the idea of, you know, these, these prep kids and Naval Academy students and, you know, kids going through OCS, they don't want to say that they're having an issue, you know, um, because right. all of a sudden that singles them out is like, hey, you know, that kid's kind of going through something. Whereas, um, frankly, right now, I think it puts you in a, a state of strength because it's like, hey, I have the strength to come out and say, like, this is what I'm dealing with and I'm ready to tackle it head on, you know? Right. And especially when these kids this age I've, I that are my students, I've noticed it's that age where you know, that loss is first time for them. So a lot of, you know, losing of an aunt or a parent or a grandparent, and that's the first time that they're dealing with this and having to kind of help them navigate that grief. And, but there's a lot of them that go through that. Unfortunately, you know, I hate that for them and it pains me when my students are in pain, but you know, just having them be able to support each other and providing them the resources and be like, Hey, you're not alone. And not only what you're going through, like you're, you're going through this and it's hard and you're going to come out stronger, but you are now a resource to somebody else that will be going through this. Totally. So Ryan, question for you about the Travis Manning Foundation. When it started, what was kind of like the first, because I know just looking on the Travis Manning Foundation, like website, it's like events, 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 you know? So what was like the first kind of event that you all put together? So the first actual event, we weren't the Travis Mannion Foundation at this point. So after, after Travis was killed, um, you know, again, you want to talk about like social media at the time it was like MySpace was, you probably are too young for this, but MySpace was oh, like- Oh, I have a MySpace. Okay. It's so, out there and it won't be deleted and I hope no one goes and searches for it. <laughs> so that was it's kind out of, there. Yeah, that was the social media platform. Facebook really kind of was a, a college thing. Like it was kind of starting on college campuses. And so there was no, um, you know, there was no- GoFundMe or any of these like uh, fundraising platforms or anything like that. And, you know, when Travis was killed, um, my parents' friends said, you know, we want to set up a memorial fund. And um, they went to like a local bank in in our town and they set up the first Lieutenant Travis Mannion Memorial Fund. And um, in Travis's obituary, it was like in lieu of flowers please donate to the first Lieutenant Travis Manning Memorial Fund. And it was like an address of a a local bank, right? It was like, send your checks in here. So, you know, you think about like these platforms today that are just go viral, but in, in, even in that kind of old school approach, a couple of weeks after Travis's death, we had several hundred thousand dollars in this bank account. And at the time, we had no idea what we were going to do with it. We knew we we knew we wanted to do something at the Naval Academy. Um, 
we wanted to do something at Travis's high school, but beyond that, we weren't thinking of the Travis Manning foundation. Um, but we were like, all right, well, we're just going to keep like doing events and, you know, kind of for us, it was just about like keeping Travis's memory alive. And like, and so the first thing we actually did was run the Marine Corps marathon because Travis had signed up to run the marathon two weeks prior when he was in Iraq, he had, um, called my dad and, and my dad had run the Marine Corps marathon several times because, you know, he was a Marine and, but he hadn't run in, in probably 10 years, the marathon and never thought he was going to run again. And my brother called him from Iraq and said, um, Hey dad, I just signed up for the marathon Marine Corps marathon. Why don't we run it together? And, you know, my dad's like, what do you do when your son calls you from Iraq? Like I'd retired my marathon shoes, but I was like, all right, I guess I'm running. So my dad signed up and I'll never forget. We were sitting in my parents' family room and there was a ton of people there. This was a few days after Travis had died. And, you know, we're kind of like, just everybody's just sitting around. And my dad said like, well, you know, Travis had signed up for the Marine Corps marathon. Like, I'm I'm still gonna run it. I'm gonna run it for him. And it I I I talk about it in my book because it was like this scene from a movie. There was probably 20 people in the family room and it went around in the circle and like the person sitting next to him was like, I'm running it with you, Colonel. And like literally everybody. And I'm talking about like, you know, there were Marines in the room, but there were also like 60-year-old women, and everybody's like, We're running the marathon. And I'm like just I'm sitting like, I'm kind of like last in line and I'm just like looking down at the carpet, like I'm not running a marathon. Right. And then everybody's looking at me and I was just like, (laughs) okay, I guess I'm going to run it too. And, you know, it was really, for me, it was so therapeutic to just like focus on something. So, you know, that was in April that Travis was killed. Um, I started training June 1st. So from June 1st to the end of October, like I was on a mission because I'd never run more than five miles. Like that was kind of my max. Maybe I'd run a 10K at that point, but like never thought about like distance running in that capacity. So I really had to work at it. Um, But it was really good for me to like have that, like this is what each day looks like. I've got this goal. I've got to run this, you know, this amount. Um, but we had probably about 60 people run the marathon with us that first year. And I'm talking like out of those 60 people, 58 of them were like first time marathon runners. So it was, it was quite interesting, but we all crossed the finish line together. We raised more money for the first Lieutenant Travis Mannion, uh, uh, fund at the time and Memorial fund. And, um, and now, you know, that event has grown. We're one of the largest charity um, partners with the Marine Corps Marathon. And we have hundreds of people that run with us every year. And so it's it's kind of interesting to like look back, you know, that first year we were in the Marriott down in D.C. And I mean, we had Travis, we, we, we had different people speak about Travis at that dinner, one of them being Brendan Looney who was Travis's roommate at the Academy. And he ran the marathon for Travis. Um, he ran next to my dad that year in 2007. And then he would unfortunately be killed a few years later in Afghanistan, but like, it was a really personal event. So, you know, now we have people that just sign up because they want a charity slot and we have a low fundraising amount. So they join us, but I love the idea that they're like joining into this thing that started in such like an intimate grassroots way. Um, so it's, it's special. Um, 
I've done the marathon a couple other times, but, um, but I go down there every year just to cheer everyone on. I will have to admit, I have never run a marathon and now I feel like this is my, I've always like waiting for like a sign to run a marathon and I'm like, Oh geez. Now maybe this is my side to run a marathon the Marine, and the Marine Corps marathon too. I know. I feel like I'm not a like, real Marine until I've run that. Um, <laughs> but one day, one day, and I feel like it's always like raining or snowing or just like, just really horrible <laughs> conditions, which is like what we thrive on as Marines. I mean, the last marathon, the last time I ran it was in 2019 and it was, it was, torrentially downpouring for like the first 10 miles where we were down, we were at Haynes point and I was running in like a foot of water. And I, I was like, I can't believe that, that, that I'm running in this. And I was praying for the rain to stop and it did. And it stopped around like mile 15, but it stopped and it got so sunny and it was so steamy that like steam was coming up off the asphalt that and it was so hot that I was praying for I was like start raining again so yes it's always it's always terrible conditions but that's what makes it even sweeter at the end you know so how did you and when did the Mannion Wad CrossFit stuff get tied in because I'm that's coming up in this month right like this week And I'm looking at, again, I was looking at the website to see the events and it's just like, I think I was like scrolling and scroll the scrolling and scrolling for a good like 30 seconds with all CrossFit gyms that are participating. So how did that come to be? So the Mannion Wad is a a hero wad through CrossFit. And if you're part of the CrossFit community, like hero wads are well, wad is workout of the day, right? Like every day you get a, a wad. And so these hero wads are named after fallen service members, but they're actually pretty um, particular where they only make hero wads after fallen service members that they can show proof that they participated in CrossFit. I mean, it's it's very interesting um, thing that they do. But, but so the Mannion wad actually... There was a Marine that went to the academy and wrestled with Travis. And when he got out of the Marine Corps, he went to work for CrossFit. So when Travis was killed, he was like, Travis and I were doing, you know, doing CrossFit in Iraq. Like, you know, I've got proof of proof of CrossFit. You know, I'm going to make a wad for Travis. And so he created this wad, which is um, it's seven rounds of uh, 29 weighted back squats and a 400 meter run. And, you know, that, that, that matches up with his date of, um, uh, 4-29-2007, but it's, it's a killer workout. Um, it is all legs, right? So you're doing hundreds of squats and running, I don't know, it's like 2.1 miles all in after you, you get all the rounds in and Jimmy Letchford, who designed this workout, designed it because he said, you know, Travis was a wrestler at the Academy and he's like, Travis was his legs were like tree trunks. Like that's where all his strength derived from. But he also ran like a gazelle, like he could run forever. And so he's like, he was this interesting combination of having these huge legs, but just could run forever. And so that's kind of how the workout was designed. Um, And then we were able to take it with the Travis Manning Foundation and turn it into an event where it didn't just rest within the CrossFit community, 
but like bring it out to the broader community of like, hey, do you want like the ultimate challenge to honor fallen service members? Like here it is. And um, and so, yeah, we've got hundreds of gyms and then you can sign up individually too. Like we have thousands of people that just sign up and you can do the WAD anywhere, which is a great thing. Um, and you can scale it, right? Like it's, it's weighted back squats, but I mean, most of the people I know that I do it with just do air squats and it's still, you know, hundreds of air squats and you and it's terrible no matter what. Um, but like last year during COVID, a lot of gyms were closed. I actually put out on my, on Instagram, on my story, I was like, Hey, doing the manion wad in my driveway on this date at this time, if you're interested, DM me for my address. I had like all these veterans that showed up and I had a, a sister of a fallen service member. They showed up in my driveway and we just did the manual wad together. So, you know, for, for us at the foundation, we do a lot of physical activities that are, because we know that, you know, getting back to my dad saying, go for a run. We know how important uh, physical exercise is to your mental health. It, it is a, it, it's not the only component, but it's a huge component and then two, there's also that, that idea that like we are, sometimes we let like fear hold us back from knowing our true potential of what we can accomplish. Like I never thought I could run a marathon. I, if I'd had the man in wide just given out to me, like, Hey, do this workout. I'd be like, I can't do that. But when you've got a name tied to it of like a fallen service member, um, it gives you kind of that ex extra inspiration. And you know, we always say at the, the foundation that Travis's name represents this post 9-11 generation of men and women who have sacrificed, right? Like we want his name to represent all of these men and women. So like when you're getting out there and you're thinking about you're on your like 250th squat and, you know, you just want to die, you know, you think about like, all right, this, this sucks, but like this is not anything compared to what this generation of warriors has done and stepped up to do. So it makes it a lot more palatable. And, um, and then, you know, then you get past, you know, that fear of the unknown and, and you kind of step into this place where you're like, wow, like I can accomplish so much more than I, than I thought I possibly could. And then you're reminded, you know, every day for a good five days when you're trying to walk downstairs and you cannot because you're oh, so yeah. sore. Yeah. <laughs> you're a like good, a good seven oh. days, I would say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Ryan, for the Travis Mannion Foundation, where do you see it, you know, in the next five, 10, 20 years? You know, for us at the foundation, when we talk about, you know, we do so many different things. We have so many different programs for veterans, for gold star families. Um, and and for civilians alike. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that is unique to our organization is that our membership is about 130,000 um, strong, but civilians make up about 50% of that. And, you know, we want to make sure that we are building a community. And that, in essence, is what our organization is all about, like a community of like-minded individuals that want to go out and, and get stuff done. You know, whether that's serving in the community, whether that's pushing themselves through physical activity um, and or whether that's teaching character to the next generation. It's about making sure that we're providing this community that that you can feel a part of and understand the essence 
of our military community. And so, you know, we are pretty set in the programming that we run and we are now, we just put a 10 year strategic plan together and our plan is just to scale our already existing programs and, you know, be in even more regions, cities, uh, towns uh, across the country. That is, that is so wonderful. Um, my last question for you is for you specifically, what is your favorite Travis Mannion Foundation event? Because you do, you know, I get the emails, you know, always asking for, you know, for volunteers for this. And then like you do refugee helping and you do the mentoring thing. There's so many ways to get involved. Um, so what's your personal favorite? I'm, I mean, for me, I think that the work we do through our character program is not only my favorite, but it's also has the most impact. You know, we have worked with over half a million kids um, across the country to date. Last year, over 50,000. And this idea that, number one, we can give veterans a continued way to serve because, you know, you're still in the uniform. When you take that uniform off, your desire to serve isn't going to go away. And, and that's what we see from our men and women that are leaving active duty is they're still looking for ways that they can have an impact, that they can give back. And when they're not given that opportunity to continue serving, that's where they run into problems with mental health decline. And so, you know, we want to be a preventative model to say, like, before you're dealing with things that are putting you in a position where you're having to walk into the VA because, you know, you're dealing with mental health challenges, we're, we're, prevent we're going to say, like, hey, you just took off the uniform. All right, we need you doing this, you know, and come be a part of our community. This is the way you can impact the next generation of leaders. And so we find um, the benefits to that are and, and listen, I, I'm probably the only non-veteran that gets to go up and and speak in this character program. I'm I'm leaving tomorrow to head to the Annapolis and give a brief to the second class midshipmen, which is my favorite thing to do every year. I speak at Travis's high school every year. I speak at summer seminar at the Naval Academy every year. And being able to tell that story to kids and like really talk to them about this idea of if not me, then who, um, they get it, right? And and for that 45 minutes that I have that captive audience, I know that some of them, like their lives are forever changed because all of a sudden it's something like a light bulb has clicked in them. And, and the veterans that have the opportunity to share their story is so important. It's so important for them to continue sharing their story. So it's my favorite because I think it's the most impactful. And, and frankly, I think, you know, it's the most important to our society as a whole. We have to keep you know, playing a role in creating men and women of character. And um, I can think of no better group to do that than our men and women who served in uniform to take that uniform off and to go work with these kids and, and show them what service is all about, regardless of if they serve in the military, right? It's just about teaching them, like, you can be a servant leader in your own backyard. And, and this is the path that I chose, but this is this is ultimately all the different ways that you can go out and serve. And um, it's it's just so rewarding to see the change that's happening with the youth and um, the, the continued service with our military community. Right, right. So, Ryan, where can people find you or get more information on the Travis Manning Foundation? 
uh, you can go to travismanion.org and, um, and you can join our mission. Um, and joining our mission just means you're going to learn about things happening in your local region um, that you can be a part of. And um, you can find uh, Travis Manning Foundation on all social media platforms. Um, myself as well. I'm probably the most active on Instagram at rmanion. Thank you so much. Ryan, is there anything else that you want to say? Um, I mean, thanks for, thanks so much for having me on. And, you know, again, thank you, Jackie. I think that, um, I was, I was just showing my dad your Instagram. I was telling him yesterday I was going on with you. And I said, this is, this is who Maggie met with on zoom and they talked and, you know, I just love the idea that there are strong females, young females that are kind of showing a different face to what it means to serve in the military and you do it in such a great way. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Ryan. I love talking to you. I'm so, again, so honored to have you. Um, your time is so, so important and valuable. So I'm so jealous that you're going to the Naval Academy this week. Oh, that's like just Annapolis is the best. So enjoy that. Enjoy your time there. Um, so with that, that is all we have for this episode for today. Um, I'm your host, Jackie Barnum. If you want to catch more of my episodes and content, please go follow me on the Parade Deck. Have a great day. Bye.